I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Last time we read, Saul had received a word from Samuel, and the word to Saul wasn't good. Do boys kind of remember what it was? It was said that he and his family would be delivered into the Philistines' hands. That's correct. So that is not necessarily a good thing depending on whose perspective you're looking from. From the, Saul of, from the perspective of Saul, it certainly is a troubling thing. We will continue in verse 1 of chapter 29. Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines asked, What about these Hebrews? Achish replied, Is this not David, who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, Send the man back, that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? So Achish called David and said to him, As surely as the Lord lives, you have been reliable, and I would be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. From the day you came to me until now, I have found no fault in you, but the rulers don't approve of you. Turn back and go in peace. Do nothing to displease the Philistine rulers. But what have I done? asked David. What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? You get the feeling that he's kind of um, playing along or sort of deceiving the king. Because you know he doesn't want to go fight the Israelites. Right? He, this is probably, this is obviously a, a blessing that he got out of having to fight. Or out of having to pretend fight or anything like that. He's now just being told he can go. He doesn't have to fight with them this time. 
But I think David, just to play along and act like he wants to fight for King Akish, is saying, why not? Let me, you know, even though he knows he's not going to be able to. In verse 9, it says, Akish answered, I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said, he must not go up with us into battle. Now get up early, along with your master servants who have come with you, and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. That's the end of chapter 29, and we will continue into 30 tonight since that was fairly short. But I'll just say I think the takeaway is, for me, from chapter 29, is that when you need a way, can you trust the Lord to provide you a way out? Yes. That's right. When you're in a situation and it looks like the walls are closing in on you, and you're having to figure out what to do, be patient. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. He delivered David when David was about to be forced to go into war against his own people. I don't believe David would have went to war against his own people. I think if he had to, he would have either retreated back to his own land and continued fleeing from Saul. Or started fighting the Philistines. Right, or turned on the Philistines during the battle. I truly believe that. Fortunately, the Lord didn't make him do either of those things. The Lord just delivered him. So we know that David was ready to do what we you can do. And me and uh, Molly were actually talking about this today. Be prudent. Be ready to do the thing that you need to do to face the future. If that means you need to practice today for the game tomorrow, then you need to practice today. If that means you need to study today for the test tomorrow, then study today. If that means you need to eat well and take care of your body for health tomorrow, then do it. Be prudent with the things you've been given. However, don't fear. Don't fear. Be prudent, but don't fear. When you start fearing, remember, the Lord has you. So we can look forward to tomorrow, and we can face the day with prudence while not being worried about it, while not being stressed about it. Because we know that the Lord will provide us a way. We've done the things we need to do to be ready, David was probably ready to flee from Achish or to turn on him. But he was willing to stay patient and trust and wait on the Lord to give him a deliverance. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Excellent. In chapter 30, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep, 
David's two wives have been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. <clears throat> Amen. Here it comes. Something powerful is going to happen. <laughs> then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. Trey, what's the ephod? The ephod is the thing that priests wear. That's right. And they wear it over their what? Their chest. That's right. And the ephod had special meanings uh, that were related to God's promises and the tribes of Israel. And it had different stones across the, the chest of the ephod. And these were um, stones of high value. And they represented the 12 tribes. And there's additional meaning of why the ephod existed and how it could be used as a picture of some of the promises of Christ. And uh, so it's very sacred to the Israelite people. Thank you for reminding us what that is, Trey. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. You know what also is interesting is, do you know who was supposed to wear the ephod? A priest. The priest. I think it's kind of cool that David, as the king, understood that in this moment, it wasn't, it was time to consult the Lord. And David is so cool because in that time, you have to understand that the the people didn't have a personal relationship with their God. One day of the year, the priest provided atonement for the sins of the people by going into the Holy of Holies in the temple where the Lord was said to exist and taking the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and offering it to the Lord in the holy place and then there was the most holy place where the Lord was said to be and I th there was a tendency as I understand it of people to avoid a close relationship with the Lord because there was the veil you know the veil separated the holy place from the most holy place it was a a sign to the people that you can't go, you're not worthy to go back here and be with the Lord. But David, going back to what we said, he knew, he knew that the Lord loved him. He knew that he had every right to approach God. He wasn't the high priest of Israel, but he knew that the Lord loved him and that he had a personal relationship with him. And he could put on the ephod and he could like a priest, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the Lord and inquire of the Lord. That's pretty cool. He said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men came with, with him came to the Besor Ravine, where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. But David and 400 men continued the pursuit 
They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, To whom do you belong, and where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Carathites, and the territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. I think one thing that's pretty cool in this is that David is literally on his way to return to get his wife and the people, their family, that were taken captive by these Amalekites. Could you think of something, anything, that would make you have less time you know when you don't have time to do something and you have to hurry because what you're doing is so important could you think of more something more important than going and retrieving your wife and family from people who had kidnapped them during uh taking them over pray for them well very good answer pray for them that's good but you could see we're like david's kind of in a hurry right but notice, even though he's in a hurry, because he's trying to catch up to these guys, before he even knows that this man who's laying there, beaten and exhausted, basically, in a field, before he even knows that this man can do him any good, he stops and helps him. And that's kind of a reminder, I think, for us in our lives. Me especially. I get in a hurry, and I see people who need help, and I'm always thinking to myself, well, if I see him again next time, I'll have time. But I'm in a hurry. I got to get to the game, to one of your guys' games. I got to get to practice. I got to get to work. I got to get to the gym. I've got to get back home. It's just not convenient right now. I mean, I come up with all these excuses. And David, who's going to rescue his own family and the family of the men with him, has time for this man who needs help. I think that's cool. We should remember that next time we see somebody. Verse 16. He led David down, and there they scattered. They were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling, because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except four hundred young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. So in the end, this man that David stopped to help actually was quite the blessing, because he helped them find where those men had gone faster. And so even though David could have looked at the situation to help and encourage somebody who needed help, he could have looked at it as something that was taking from him. Gosh, I got to do this right now. Whenever the Lord puts somebody that we can help or 
allows us to be part of healing or praying or encouraging, being at all involved in his plans, we find that even though at first we had to give up part of our time to do those things, in the end, we realize the Lord actually planned to bless us in that. He actually planned to give us something more than our time could would have given us. And that's why I think when we, we worry sometimes that we're not doing enough for the kingdom, it's the wrong thinking. It's backwards thinking. The right thinking is, the Lord is inviting you to be part of this journey. You don't get to know exactly what it's going to be, and it feels a lot at first like sacrifice, but he's just inviting you to be part of this fun, incredible, loving experience that he wants you to have, but he's not going to force you. And if you choose not to, it really is your own loss. So when he puts something in your way to encourage somebody and it feels like a chore, just know he's not doing it to make you feel guilty because you don't do it. He's inviting you. Almost like, I'm going to do this. Do you want to be a part of it? I think that's inspiring. We will continue on in verse 21. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and were left behind at the Basor ravine. They came out to meet David and the people with him. As David and his men approached, he greeted them. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, Because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David does something cool here. David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of the man who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this a statute and ordinance for Israel from that day to this. I think that's pretty cool. The Lord gave you this. You've been blessed with this. Share it. Yeah. It's like a blessing from the Lord. Once it's too much, you have to give it up. Like, your cup's overflowing. Right. Just joy. You can't help but go make people happy. It's like the sharing. That's right. David wants everyone to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're overflowing with him... What else are you going to do with it? It has to spill out of you. And as it spills out, it gets on other people. It's infectious. It spreads a lot. It spreads. And when you're full of it, it spreads wildly. And it moves people. The Bible didn't say that study the word and know every verse and be very, very smart. And by this, all men will know that you follow me. He didn't say give all your money away and by this all men will know you follow me it was love others by this all will know that you are followers of Christ if you love one another so I think that's the idea you get so full of his love it spills out of you and when you give that love to others that's how they know you are in Christ there's something different about Trey and Brock they love people and it's different 
in verse 26, When David arrived in Ziklag, he sent home some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. He sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatir, to those in Aror, Sifmoth, Eshtomoth, and Rakal, to those in the towns of the Jehermilites and the Kenites, to those in Hormah, Borashan, Athak, and Hebron, and to those in all the other places where David and his men had roamed. Basically, he just was remembering everybody that he didn't. This was he. He didn't get this all by himself. People had helped him along the way, and he wanted to bless them for being a blessing to him. These are very good statutes for us to remember. And that is the end of chapter 30. So in a rare night, we we did two, two chapters, 29 and 30. And tomorrow we will finish off by reading the final chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 31. I love you, boys. I love you too. I love you too. You guys are good kids. <laughs>